Welcome to the program Shnayim Mikro. This week we study together Parshas Shalach. My name is Rabbi Tzvi Hersh Weinreb, Executive Vice President Emeritus of the Orthodox Union, and I feel privileged to again be studying with you one of the Parshios. This one begins with a particularly dramatic and tragic story, which is which the Torah goes into at great length. I will try to confine my comments to the pshat, to the simple meaning of the Parsha, drawing heavily, of course, upon the parish of Rashi, but focusing on pshat and not on drash. We will not be going into the deeper meanings, but simply the narrative itself. The Torah begins, Vayadaber Hashem el Moshe Lemor. God spoke to Moshe and gave him what seems to be a mitzvah. Shalach lecha anoshim. Send for yourself men. Viyosuru es eretz kena'an. Let them spy out the land of Canaan, the land Asheranino Sein Livne Yisroel, the land which I am giving in the present tense to the children of Israel. Ish Echod Ish Echod Avoso Tishlochu. Send one person per tribe, Kol Nosivohem, each and every one of them should be a Nosi, a special person, a princely person. So, the Torah seems to be saying that almost out of nowhere, the Ribbono Shalom gave a mitzvah. It was God's idea, so to speak, to tell Moshe to appoint spies. The central problem of this parsha is that in Parshas Devorim at Shlishi, Moshe recalls the story and seems to have a different version. In Moshe's version, the Jewish people ask that a spy, a group of spies be sent. Nishlecha anoshim lifoneinu. They approach Moshe and they approach him in a rather unruly fashion and almost demand that he sends spies. He does so. God kind of reluctantly agrees and then the story pers- uh, continues from that point. In this week's Parsha, there's no mention of the fact that the Jewish people asked for spies. Rather, God told Moshe Rabbeinu to send these men as spies. We will not dwell in this particular presentation upon the various ways that the Mephorshim deal with the contradictions or seeming contradictions between the version of the story of the Meraglim of the spies which appears here in Parsha Shalach and the one which appears later on in Chumash Devorim in Parsha Devorim. I simply raise the issue now to stress 
that as we study this week's parsha, we see that this is a mitzvah given by God that Moshe choose people. The Sephorno points out that it could very well be that the Torah here is emphasizing that God wanted these spies to be hand-chosen by Moshe and not simply elected or selected by the people. Because, writes the Sforno, he wanted people that at the very least would tell the truth about the Shevach Ha'oretz, about the glories of the land of Israel. He did not want people who would lie. The chait of the Moraglim, writes Sforno, was not that they denied the wonders of Eretz Yisroel. Quite the contrary, they were positive in their report of Eretz Yisroel. Their sin, as we will see, was because they argued that the Jewish people were too weak and the inhabitants of the land too strong for the Jewish people to overcome them. Therefore, because of this, writes Sforno, there was still an opportunity for tshuva. And we will see the psukim in which the Sforno, from which the Sforno builds his case. We will also have to deal with the question that if this is a mitzvah by God, why would God tell Moshe to choose spies when he knew, God knows the future, he knew that these spies would come back with their troublesome report and he knew what the punishment would have to be. Why then did he arrange things, so to speak, in such a way that he would send spies, the spies would come back with a defeatist attitude and they will be punished by remaining for 40 years in the desert. So the, the, the Parsha is problematic in many, many ways. Between the lines, behind the scenes. But the story, as we will see, is very straightforward. Moshe Rabbeinu, listening to the Ribbon Shlolom in Pasuk Gimel, sends out those spies. He sends out the spies, and he does so according to God's uh, instructions. And he chooses people, He chooses people who, although they may not be the chiefs of, the, of each um, tribe, the actual names of the uh, chiefs are spelled out elsewhere in this Chumash, but rather they are important people. As Rashbam points out, popular people, people from the folk. And here are their names, and their names are listed. Notice the sequence of the Shavuotin. Reuven, Shimon, Yehuda, Yisachar, Ephraim, Binyamin, Zevulun, Yosef, Menashe, Don, Osher, Naphtali, God. Of course, Levi is missing. There is no Meragel, no spy sent from Levi. And the sequence doesn't seem to follow the usual sequence of age at all. They're, I'm sorry, that they are 
listed here according to their age, not according to the usual Seder Hashvotim or the Seder Hadagolim. They're kind of mixed and matched. And Sforno suggests that this is because the, the Torah is listing these Maraglim, these spies, in the order of their ages. It is also interesting that usually in the Torah, Yosef is associated with his son Ephraim. Here, Yosef is associated with his son Menashe in Pasuk Yud Aleph. And on this, the Da'as Zekenim, Mibale HaTosfes, says that Yosef here kind of receives his uh, punishment in a way. Shakle Yosef Lemitra Pase. Yosef now suffers the consequences that he once spoke negatively about his brothers. And therefore, he here he is mentioned together with Menashe, who is one of the Miraglim who speaks negatively, who is Motzi Diba, and not with Ephraim and Hoshea Benun, who is Yehoshua, who does not speak negatively, but who speaks positively. So here Yosef is associated with Menashe. These are the names, the Pesach continues, of the people who Moshe sent out to spy. Vayikro Moshe lehoshea bin Nun Yoshua. At this point, the Torah sees fit to tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu changed Hoshea's name to Yehoshua. And Rashi tells us that this was really a prayer of Moshe, Yo. Yoshiacho me'atzas meraglim. Yehoshua means, God, may you protect him, Yehoshua, from participating, partaking in the scheme, the negative scheme of the treacherous scheme of the meraglim. <coughs> to give a simple reason as to why at this point Moshe would call Hoshea, a new name, Yehoshua, was because until this point, Yehoshua's reputation was as Moshe's servant boy, as Moshe's Mishores, umishorso Yehoshua binun na'ar. He was a young lad, he was a Mishores, he was considered Moshe's uh, valet, so to speak, Moshe's disciple. At this point, that would be a negative because the other members of the delegation might see Hoshea as a mere fledgling, a mere valet, a mere servant of Moshe Rabbeinu. So Moshe Rabbeinu had to kind of promote him and elevate him, and to do that, change his name to Yehoshua, so that Yehoshua now could play as an equal on the playing field. Moshe sent them to spy out, and he gave them instructions. Go now through the Negev, go upwards up the mountains. Spy out the land, see the nature of the land. And see the nature of the people who dwell there. Are these people weak? Are they strong? Hamaati imrov. Are they few or are they many? So it seems to be almost a dual purpose. 
spy out the land, see if it is indeed a good land, which would make us wonder, God promised them a good land. Do they have to test out God? But they're also sent out to spy out the people. Are they weak? Are they strong? Some, like the Rashbam, see it all tied together. They're not there to see if the land is good and to test out God. They are there to test, to spy out the land to see which points in the land are vulnerable. Where can they get food that can be their supplies during a military attack? Where will they have to launch a siege? Where will they have to proceed in some other, with some other military tactics? And so they're asked to... Um, spy out the land for the same reason that they are asked to spy out the people, all for military purposes. What is the nature of this land, good or bad? What is the nature of the cities? Are the cities open cities, easy to conquer? Or mifsorim, or fortresses difficult to conquer, or perhaps the opposite, as Rashi suggests. If they are b'machanim, if they are open camps, this indicates that the inhabitants are very confident and strong, and that might be a problem. Or they live in fortresses, which is an indication of weakness. They're cowering behind the walls of their fortress, and this will make them easy to conquer. Umohoretz. What's the nature of the land? Hashemenohi? Is it fat and fertile? Imrozo? Is it thin and infertile? Hayeshbo eats imayin. Are there trees there or not? And Rashi suggests that a tree here is the symbol of a person, an Odom Kosher, a righteous person who can protect them as a tree protects people under its shade. Do they have merit? Victorious people who might be a zechus for them, who might earn them favor in God's eyes, or not. Be brave, be strong. Take with you some of the fruit of the land. And the time of year that this happened, was a time of year when the grapes begin to ripen. And Sforno tells us that that's the very beginning of the ripening process. So the uh, fruits, vegetables, are not yet fully ripe, the fruits and grains. Nevertheless, Moshe Rabbeinu said, you'll see, even at the earliest days, at the beginning of the ripening process, you will see how wonderful the foods, the fruits, the grains are. I would like to just conclude this section, Rishon until Sheni, by sharing with you the Rambam in Mora Nevuchim, Chelek Beis, Perik Lamed Beis, who feels that God, so to speak, engineered this so that the Jews would sin, the sin of the Miraglim, and he would punish them by having to remain in the desert for 40 years. And this 40-year time would be ultimately to the Jewish people's benefit because it would strengthen them. Here they were slaves, ex-slaves, weak, not strong, 
40 years in the Midbar, 40 years in the desert, that would harden them and that would make them capable of fighting and conquering and living in the land of Israel. This is the Rambam's approach. Interestingly, Shadal, Shmuel David Lutzato, in his commentary, takes issue with the Rambam. And his issue is a pious issue, a from issue. Is the Rambam saying that God required strength? Kipodim? Right. It, it is not Lovikurus Hasus Yechpots. God doesn't want strong soldiers. God could easily have the Jewish people conquer uh, the seven nations of Canaan, even if they are weaklings. Why did he have to strengthen them and strengthen them for 40 years? And therefore, Shadal offers a different reason. And that is God wanted, he knew, God knew, that Moshe Rabbeinu would not take them into Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, he wanted the Jewish people to have the experience of living under Moshe's tutelage for 40 years so that they could learn from Moshe all they had to learn. And that's why he engineered things in this manner, so that ultimately they resided in the Midbar for 40 years, studying and observing and learning from Moshe Rabbeinu. A 40-year course, so to speak, in being like Moshe and in Torah's Moshe. Very interesting approaches I thought I'd share with you. But this brings us to the end of the first of our lessons on Shlach. We have now stopped at Sheni and Emir Tzashem. Tomorrow we'll proceed from Sheni to Shlishi.